0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
2: Hi everyone and welcome to My Millennial Money Medical, my name is Devraga and in this episode we discuss the concept of margin of safety and how it applies to investing but also to business and accounting. You actually may be surprised how perhaps we may all be using this concept even outside of investing, particularly when it comes to our personal finance. If you want me to discuss a specific topic or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. Now, for those of you that are new to the channel, there are three main aims, educate, be empowered, and also be entertained. And if you're stuck on what to do in terms of broad principles, there are just five. Pay yourself first, invest the money, reinvest dividends, do it forever, and always automate every step. And remember, money is just a tool. It doesn't bring you happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life a little bit better, but most importantly, the lives of people around you a lot better. Now, to the main topic, what is margin of safety? Now, it depends on which field of finance you're talking about. There is an accounting definition, which is basically the margin of safety is the difference between your actual sales you've made in your business and the break even point where you don't make any profit at all. Now, that's the accounting definition. The investing definition is margin of safety is when you only buy a particular stock when their market price is significantly lower than their intrinsic value. Now, there is lots to break down in this episode and we'll tackle each topic in detail and I will provide some specific examples. Firstly, let's look at margin of safety when it comes to accounting. Now, sometimes margin of safety in accounting is referred to as MOS and it basically is the quantifiable distance you have before your business becomes unprofitable and just breaks even. Now, it's a cushion which you have in your business. Accountants look for this cushion when doing bookkeeping and advising their business clients about how much sales they can drop before things go haywire. Therefore, the bigger the margin of safety, the lower the downsize risk for a business to go bust. It's as simple as that. Now, let's use an example to highlight this principle. I'm going to bring back the lemonade stand. Now, if you've been following me for the past few years, I've used the lemonade stand business as a small business concept, as an example, to highlight business concepts. I haven't used the lemonade stand example in quite a long time, so I thought it's time to bring it back. And this episode is a great opportunity to do that. Amy is nine years old and does some extra work around the house. She is saving up for her birthday and for each task around the house, her parents pay her $5 maximum per week. Now, she's investigated a brand new bike she wants to buy for her birthday, which costs around $175. And she's calculated at this rate, it'll take her around 35 weeks in total to save up to buy the bike. That is if she did all the jobs that her parents gave her, which is $5 max per week. But her birthday is in 10 weeks. So she needs a quicker way to achieve her goal. She's already saved up $30 in her piggy bank and decides to investigate opening up a lemonade stand nearby because it's coming into spring and summer and she's figured keeping well hydrated is an important thing for people to consider. So she's seeing this as a business opportunity. Her research suggests the following. $30 will buy her 30 lemons at about $1 per lemon Her research also suggests that if she warmed up the lemon slightly, you can get around half a cup of lemon juice per lemon. And this amounts to around 15 cups of lemon juice for her initial investment of $30. Now, to keep things simple, her parents are going to loan her the initial paper cups, the stand, helping with the signage. So she's lucky those costs are not required to be accounted for. Come summertime, Amy starts her business. And after her first weekend, this is her figures she decides to sell a cup of lemon juice for a price of about $4. The total cups of juice sold is around 15 and her gross earnings is $60. Her total cost is $30, so her gross profit is $30. Now, Amy's breakeven point would have been at around the eight cups of lemon juice man, which is around $32 revenue. Remember, her cost is $30, So she needs to sell that in order to break even if she's running this business. And her break even point was at that eight cups of lemon juice mark. So it's clear that after she's made about $60 in total sales, she has a margin of safety. So how do we calculate Amy's margin of safety? It's actually quite easy. The absolute figure for margin of safety or the equation is actually margin of safety equals total sales minus the break-even point. That is the sales at which you break-even. So in this case, Amy's total sales was $60. Amy's break-even point was at $32, which is around eight cups of lemon juice. Now, it's actually seven and a half cups, but you can't sell half a cup of lemon juice, hence why I've included the eighth cup. Therefore, the margin of safety in absolute terms for Amy is $28. Now, the margin of safety can also be represented and calculated by a percentage. Now, the formula for this is margin of safety equals the actual sales minus the break-even sales divided by the actual sales. So, using Amy's situation, the percentage margin of safety is total sales, which is $60 minus break-even sales, which is $32, divided by the total sales, which is $60. So her percentage margin of safety works out to be 46%. That's actually quite an awesome margin of safety. A lot of businesses actually run on much smaller margins of safety than this. Now, that's a very basic example of how margin of safety can work in a small level business. Now, can margin of safety be actually used for forecasted sales? And the answer is, Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the main purposes of this concept. Businesses can forecast their growth in the future and how global events may affect their business, and this therefore affects their margin of safety. For example, in a small business setting, let's say an ice cream truck, an ice cream business may have much narrower margin of safety in winter months in Melbourne than during summer months when prices can be actually jacked up. And therefore have a much safer margin of safety during those hotter, warmer summer months. Now, can margin of safety be applied to the whole business or does it only need to be applied to individual departments of a business? Now, you can actually apply this concept to every individual department or the entire business. It doesn't really matter. Some companies and some businesses may have a very high margin of safety in one particular arm of their business, whilst having a much lower margin of safety in other aspects. For example, for banks, they have various arms of their business. Lending, insurance, financial advice, branch businesses, which is basically for retail customers, investments, and risk. So each arm of their business may have a completely different margin of safety. And they may have a margin of safety for their entire business as well. And that's called a combined margin of safety. So, what is actually deemed a good margin of safety for businesses? Now, this is actually quite a tricky question, and it often is a great question if you're interested in valuing and buying an entire business. Generally speaking, the higher the margin of safety, the better it is. And sometimes it's also valuable. calculate your margin of safety in terms of units sold so in our example with amy's lemonade stand she would need to sell eight cups of lemon juice in order to break even so the formula for this unit level margin of safety is actual sales minus break-even point divided by the selling price per unit in her case the selling price per unit was four dollars per one cup of lemon juice so in amy's case the actual sales was $60 minus the break-even point, which was $32 divided by $4, which is around seven cups of lemon juice. Now, I sort of calculated her margin of safety to be eight cups because you can't really have half a cup. Remember, we calculated the exact level is going to be seven and a half cups. So seven to eight cups seems reasonable. So what does this mean? Now, this means that Amy has a buffer of seven to eight cups of lemon juice before her business becomes unprofitable. Or another way of looking at this is if she sells seven extra cups of lemon juice, that directly translates to her profit. Now, does margin of safety actually work well for seasonal businesses? Now, this is where marginal safety is actually very important. So yes, it absolutely works for seasonal businesses. Now, there's a saying in finance and investing that is make hay when the sun shines, This means Amy needs to absolutely smash out a lemon juice business during the spring and summer months in anticipation of the winter lows, where business won't necessarily do that well because people don't need to keep well hydrated during the winter months. So going back to why Amy started her lemon stand in the first place. Remember, she wanted to buy that bicycle, which is going to cost her about $175. And she figured out that opening a lemon stand is going to be the quickest way to get there, as opposed to doing chores in the house for their parents, which only pays $5 per week. And remember that it would take her 35 weeks at a current pay rate at work, at home, to buy her new bicycle, which costs $175. But if she sold lemon juice to perhaps three weekends in a row and sold 15 cups per weekend, she could achieve her goal in a much faster time in those three weekends. So she takes the risk of losing money if her business doesn't do well, like storms or bad weather, etc. And she has to calculate her margin of safety to find out how many cups of lemon juice she can afford not to sell to break even. It doesn't change from the fact that her primary goal is to achieving her green dream of buying a bicycle at a much faster rate than working. Remember, that's the primary goal for Amy to achieve that. Does this scenario resonate with a lot of people? Now, it certainly resonates with me. Now, we all have jobs. We might all have jobs to go to. We may find it very difficult to get out of the 9 to 5 grind. And having a job and making money as an employee is completely fine. But usually, if you start a business, it's going to be the quickest way to build wealth in a short amount of time. But of course, that comes with significant risk. Now, I've discussed the concept of financial risk before in episode 75 in my previous life as Devracker Personal Finance. So if you're interested in that, I'll really go into the depths of it. Go back and listen to it if you're interested. And the concept of margin of safety can be applied in your own personal lives, in your personal financial situation, even for households. Here's how. Essentially, a household is just like a small business. You have incomings and outgoings, income and expenses. And whatever you're left over is your profit. You need to work out your margin of safety using this method where the sales data is replaced by income data. Now, let's head back to an example using a personal finance budgeting situation. I'm going to use a medical example here. So the figures are a little bit inflated, but I've done it on purpose because it kind of makes sense and really hits home the point. Amy is a doctor and has an income of about $300,000 per annum. Her monthly after-tax income is $14,651. Her monthly expenses is, her mortgage is $5,600. Her car is $800 a month. Utilities is around $1,000 a month. Food is around $1,000 a month. And her pay yourself money is around $2,800 a month. So her total expenses, including her pay yourself money, is around $11,200 a month. This is a break-even point. Now, I've kept the numbers relatively simple, but again, I want to highlight this point really clearly. Therefore, using the formula, her margin of safety is... $14,651, $14,651, which is a total sales or incoming, minus the break even point, which is $11,200, divided by $14,651, which are total incomings, which is the actual sales. So her margin of safety is around 23%. Now, this means that Amy can afford to have a 23% reduction in her income and still be okay with it. This allows her to live her lifestyle and pay herself first. Now, some people may discount the pay yourself first fund in Amy's case and say that figure shouldn't be included in the break-even sales. I feel differently. My view is you must always pay yourself first. So you need to take it into the account as an expense. I don't particularly like it when people compromise on that. Now, if you want to, that's fine, but that's risky. maybe I'm a little bit more conservative than the average person. And that's why even in retirement for me, I plan to pay myself first 20% of after-tax income and let my portfolio grow over time, which means that I could spend all the 80% of leftover money and still not be that worried. Now, that's about it for margin of safety when it comes to business and accounting. Before we move on to margin of safety when it comes to investing,
0: Welcome back. Let's discuss
2: the concept of margin of safety when it comes to investing. Now, the definition of that is when an investor only purchases a stock when its price falls significantly below its intrinsic value. The whole point of this exercise is to maximise the upside and minimise the investor's downside. So the margin of safety is a price difference between its current price, which is significantly below intrinsic value, and its intrinsic value. So, for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to be using investing in a company as an example and not investing using ETFs or managed funds as an example. Now, this principle is more relevant for active investors in individual stocks and companies. Let's go into a bit more detail. Now, Benjamin Graham, the original value investor and his student, Warren Buffett, they've been well known to apply the margin of safety of up to 50% for the stocks they buy. And to calculate the margin of safety, you need to understand how to calculate the intrinsic value of a company. So how do you do that? Now, that's an episode in itself in terms of what is intrinsic value, etc. So maybe I'll do it in the future, but simply put, intrinsic value is a measure of what an asset is worth. And usually, financial analysis try and come up with a figure for a particular business or a company. Now, there are a number of metrics which can be used to calculate this, and there's no one way to do it. So you can use management of a company, governance structures, industry performance, benchmark performance, total assets, earnings, cash flow. Now, some of these are qualitative factors. Some of these are quantitative factors. So there's no universal way of coming up with the intrinsic value of a business or company. And there are a number of other finer principles within this topic like discounted cash flow, market risk. So it's an episode in itself, which probably I'll do in the future. But you get the idea. It is what a business or company is worth. And you need to come up with a formula to calculate that. And there's no universal formula. And that's the trick. And once you've come up with that figure, once you calculate that, it's usually expressed as a share price. Now, to calculate the margin of safety, then, you need to apply a discount to the intrinsic value. And this can be based on your personal strategy. So as an investor, you may want to apply a 40% discount to the intrinsic value. Remember, Benjamin Graham and Warren Buffett, they applied a 50% discount to the intrinsic value once they've calculated it. Now, your personal strategy might be 40% discount. And this means you won't even think about buying that company's stock unless it falls up to 40% Below its intrinsic value, which you have determined, this discounted price is called the price target. Now, it should be noted, this process is quite subjective and doesn't guarantee an investor's success. But having a systems-based approach to finances or investing enables you to be as objective as possible. So you're not only acting on pure emotion. It kind of gives you a GPS tracker to keep you on track. Now. I teach medical students. And the first thing I say to them is, you're not going to fail the OSCE station in this particular exam if you get the diagnosis wrong. That's not what it's about. It's about having a systematic approach to taking a history and performing an examination. Because if you don't know the systems, then you're more likely to make mistakes and your diagnosis will be wrong anyway. Whereas if you have a good system of history and good examination technique, And use a good investigative algorithm then you're likely to get the diagnosis right and systems and processes in medicine just like in personal finance should be reproducible and should result in a similar outcome and just like in business and accounting definition of margin of safety essentially this concept in investing provides a buffer it provides a cushion to protect the downside for you the investor let's use an example to highlight this concept in more detail let's go back to the example used before when Amy was a doctor, with a monthly after-tax income of $14,651. Again, big numbers, but I'm using it on purpose. We established her personal finance margin of safety was around 23% or $3,451 per month. All of her pay-yourself money she invests is already gone into passive ETFs. So with the margin of safety money, which is the leftover money that she has of $3,451 per month, She wants to actively invest. She investigates a company called XYZ who provide virtual room services of medical professionals. And basically, rather than each medical practice having a reception, this company provides a virtual reception for multiple practices. It's more centralised, it reduces cost base for medical practices and Amy feels that this is the way of the future and allows for scaling. The company is now listed on the stock market for around $20 a share. And after some analysis, and I've done episodes about fundamental analysis in the past, if you wish to go back and listen to it, but after some of her own analysis, Amy has come up with an intrinsic value for the company of around $15 per share. So currently, its market price is above its intrinsic value. Remember, this is according to Amy. If it was someone else, they may have calculated the intrinsic value at a different figure. So Amy thinks a good margin of safety is around 25% similar to a personal finance margin of safety. So she decides if the price falls to 25% below the intrinsic value, then she would buy it. This means the price has to drop to at least $11 for Amy to buy this particular stock, company XYZ, which basically specialises in providing virtual room services to medical services. Now, after a few months, there's panic in the markets. The Reserve Bank of Australia has basically said they're going to raise the interest rates and this means there is risk that investors may pull their stock market investments and more safer places. They're going to put it into high interest accounts and bonds, etc. And this has an undue effect on the market and the whole market crashes. Along with it goes company XYZ. Its price is dragged down as well, despite having good cash flows, despite having good earnings per share and good PE ratios. The stock price tumbles now to $8 from its high of $20. That's a huge drop. Amy's target price was, remember, $11. That's her discounted price, target price. So she jumps at the opportunity to buy the stock because she believes in the company. She believes in the business model and she thinks this is going to be the future of reception for medical professionals. So she buys 1,000 shares for $8,000. Remember, she has valued the company at $15 per share. Now she's bought the stock at a significant discount to its intrinsic value, as determined by Amy. Now, why is this concept important in this example? It's all about protecting the downside for Amy. If Amy had bought the stock when it tumbled at just $15 during the crash, which is what she valued it at, now she would have lost another $7 per share. Amplifying this to 1,000 shares is around $7,000 in losses. But now she's bought the whole 1,000 shares for $8,000 because the market has tumbled and company XYZ stock has dropped to $8 per share. And if it tumbles more, it protects her downside. So the margin of safety is what I call a defensive concept. When it comes to personal finance, investing, etc., we talk about making money. We talk about growing our wealth. We talk about bettering our investments. But let's not forget the number one rule that Warren Buffett always says. Don't lose money. So having a margin of safety means if we lose money, it protects us against losing lots of it. Now, going back to Amy's case, supposing after a few months, the stock price returns to new highs of $30 per share because a company has released its annual profit statement. Guess what? Amy has just made a profit of $22 per share, less brokerage fees, of course, and her upside now is $22,000 on an investment of $8,000. That's not bad. Now, before we finish up on this episode, there are two main ways of determining the size of margin of safety. In Amy's case, she determined her margin of safety to be around 25%. But is there a way to do this more objectively? And there are two main ways of doing it. The first one is called deep value investing. And the second one is called growth at a reasonable price investment. Now, it's really geeky and I won't spend too much time on this. Just before we finish up, I thought it'd be interesting to clarify these two deeper meanings and deeper points. Now, deep value investment method looks at how a company takes advantage of price mismatching and buying up materials and goods, et cetera, at bargain basement prices, right? And this is especially true for seasonal products. Now, supposing a company which specializes in raincoats, for example, and operates in Scandinavia. Well, it makes sense perhaps to buy their materials to manufacturers, um, their raincoats from a country which has a drier climate, a hotter climate, because they don't need much raincoats in these places. Now, the second way is called growth at a reasonable rate method, which is a little bit more balanced. Basically, the investor accepts a slightly less margin of safety by accepting to invest in companies which grow at a reasonable rate, not a rapid rate. But they also need to trade below their intrinsic value. And this may compromise on the margin of safety to be around, let's say, 10%, for example, which is a low margin of safety, generally speaking. So to recap, margin of safety has two meanings based on accounting language or investing language and it can be used in your personal finances as well. I use it, I have a margin of safety every single month and in accounting language, it's designed to provide a buffer between actual sales and breakeven sales and investing language it's designed to protect the investor's downside during market volatility when irrational behavior takes over. That's about it for this episode. So next time you're evaluating a business, or maybe you're a business owner or even looking at your personal finances and think about what sort of safeguards you have, think about your margin of safety. Thanks very much for listening. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be using or leave a five-star review on all of the platforms. That's even better. And please leave a positive review in the comment section because it makes a big difference to how many people listen to this episode and it does spread the message. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to the podcast. So please keep them coming. This is Dev from My Millennium Money Medical. And until next time, please make sure you stay safe.
1: We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast.